Hi, I'm a Wilkes. I'm a Nelson. I'm a Grop. And I'm a Spute. And we call ourselves the Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us. So welcome to our podcast conversation under His wings. Hi, I'm Connie. I'm Sherry. I'm Jerry. And I'm Marlene. We'd like to welcome everyone back today as we begin another episode. This episode is called In the Meantime. Some of us are familiar with Joseph Smith's cry from Liberty Jail when the people that he loved were being persecuted and driven from their homes in the middle of winter. Oh God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed? How long, O Lord, how long? Mm, Yeah, we've felt that at times, haven't we? You know, we might not be languishing in a prison, but we've all just come through something that was unusual, and it's been a challenging year for many. And I think it's safe to say that living through a pandemic is a first for all of us, right? (laughs) Nobody's more than what, you'd have to be 100 and some years old to (laughs) live through the last one. But this year, you know, we recognize has been harder on some than others. There's been many that have lost jobs. Others have had learned to work from home. Many mothers have homeschooled for the first time. Some have even lost loved ones because of COVID-19. And and others have been separated from those loved ones because of health concerns or the distance that didn't allow them to travel. I know our holiday celebrations have had to be altered. Um I personally have really missed worshiping in the temple and with everyone at church in our usual way. And yeah, let's not forget one of my personal favorites, <laughs> having to wear masks in public. Oh, <laughs> I know there's been times like that. Oh, how long? Oh, Lord, how long <laughs> oh, will this go on? Sure. Oh, my gosh, for sure. You know, this pandemic really has affected everybody, um, but there are also many out there that have had some lifelong trials that go way beyond this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Some feel that they might not ever make it another day with the burdens they have to carry. So we're not the first, and we definitely won't be the last to ask those pointed questions when life gets hard, and that ache in your heart goes on and on on. How long, oh Lord, Mm -hmm. how long? Many of our loved ones have a heart that's yearning and praying for better things, and they find themselves waiting on the Lord and looking for answers. So we're going to talk today about what waiting on the Lord looks like, Mm -hmm. because I know that some of our kids are still waiting for their soulmate, Yep, right? Luckily, Mm -hmm. Connor, Bree, and Kaylee have found theirs, and we have three weddings this summer. That's so fun. So exciting. So fun. Um, Another heartbreak is, you know, some of our kids, Kenzie and Cameron, my kids, um, Courtney and Jeff, Marlene's kids, and Cody and Morgan, Sherry's kids, are um, going through infertility, waiting for a baby Mm -hmm. to come into their lives, and it's, it's heartbreaking. We have, I have three kids with a genetic disorder and that causes pain in their joints. Um, Connie's, we know, is going through some major pain in her body and Craig, Sherry's husband, has a shoulder that's um, giving him all sorts of pain in his body. And so many are waiting for a body that just lets them do what they want without 
the pain, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sherry's son, Curtis, sweetheart, and so many others are waiting to feel emotionally and mentally healthy. I think all of us are waiting for finances to ease up Mm -hmm. and get better. (laughs) Uh, We are waiting for pain of loss, maybe of a loved one or some, some, something else to ease up. Many are waiting for marriage to get better or waiting for an addiction to get easier to overcome. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And what do people usually do when they wait? Mm-hmm. You know, we stand in lines, we wait in the doctor's office, and we usually fill, fill our time with something meaningless, scrolling through our phone or mm-hmm. <laughs> social media, whatever. Um, but waiting on the Lord should look a lot different than that. In this last general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Elder M. Russell Ballard said, quote, Waiting on the Lord implies continued obedience and spiritual progress towards Him. Waiting on the Lord does not imply biding one's time. You should never feel like you are in the waiting room, mm-hmm. end quote. <laughs> I love that. It's exactly right. If we fill our time with meaningless things, then the waiting is harder. But if we fill our lives with purpose and we continue to progress and grow, that is what really matters. Yeah, it's what the Lord wants. That's right. I love this reassurance from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's talk, Waiting on the Lord. He said, So while we work and wait together for the answers to some of our prayers, I offer you my apostolic promise that they are heard and they are answered, though perhaps not at the time or in the way we wanted, but they are always answered. At the time and in the way, an omniscient and eternally compassionate parent should answer them. It's so reassuring, isn't it, to to hear from an apostle that our prayers are heard and always answered in a way that's best for us. You know, it, it makes me think of a text that my brother-in-law sent out a couple of weeks ago when he was sharing the sad news that his daughter, um, she was going to give birth to a premature stillborn and was going to have to go um, into surgery for hours with multiple doctors to preserve her health and her oh, life. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, I was, oh, it was just heart-wrenching as we were all praying for her through that ordeal. And in this text he sent out, he, he declared, we know God is too good to be unkind and too wise to err or to be mistaken. And that just really hit me with power in that moment, that declaration of faith in our Heavenly Father in, in the middle of what had to have been a very heart-wrenching experience for them. Um, We too know, everybody here at this table, that God is good. He is kind, and he doesn't make mistakes. So if that's the case, you know, many have asked, why are we often allowed to suffer then? Sometimes this waiting on the Lord is a really hard thing. At times it can really try your faith, but we also know that true faith means trusting God in good times and bad, even if that includes some suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's natural to want to have all our problems solved quickly and our prayers answered, you know, immediately. And gratefully, sometimes they are. You know, I I remember Marlene years ago when we were in McCall and we took our family snowmobiling and 
We were out with the kids and we had lost the keys to our car. I think we got done, right? Yeah. For the afternoon, we went to load up and went, oh, shoot. They weren't there. <laughs> they weren't there in Craig's pocket anymore. And um, we didn't have a spare, even back at the cabin. And we're hours away from home in a small town would have pr- probably been hours if we would have had, well, first of all, we couldn't load all the kids yeah. up. We could not fit in your vehicle to even drive back to town to tell somebody we needed a lock and key guy. Oh, <laughs> we were gosh, just like, yeah. And we couldn't stay with little ones out there freezing. Oh, yeah. shoot. So, I remember you had keys to the Institute as well. too. Yeah. yeah. So we just gathered everybody up and prayed, jumped back on the snowmobiles and headed back into the fields and few minutes later we saw michael reach down and scoop up those keys and (laughs) (laughs) soon we were on our way (laughs) oh my gosh yeah what a blessing yes and 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 like that um as far as prayers coming quickly Mm -hmm. one time aubrey and i were on our way back from utah we had just taken courtney to provo for college and it was late at night we were driving and the car just starts to die I, you know you could tell the lights were dimming mm-hmm. and it was starting to die and heading back to Boise we were um on the almost to the exit to Glens Ferry and so I pulled over and I luckily had cell service and I called Michael and he immediately went onto the computer to find the location of the bishops in the area so he called the bishop in Glens Ferry, and he was not home, but his wife answered, and they happened to own Napa Auto Store. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and so they had somebody run a battery out to me, oh my and Lord. that battery actually didn't fit, so we all got in his truck, went back to the store, and got the right battery, because mm-hmm. the alternator had um, gone bad, and so the battery would keep, keep. us mm-hmm. keep it going until we got home. And I just thought, what a miracle that was, mm-hmm. and a prayer that had come quickly. And we have so many stories <laughs> of I prayers know. being answered when we're on the side <laughs> of the road. So, right? And yeah. Right. That's our best roadside insurance. <laughs> yeah. <for sure>. Absolutely. <laughs> love. Oh my gosh. Well, my story isn't quite that dramatic, but oh, I have something I want to share. Um, I was on a walk with my grandkids and Everett was running down the sidewalk and a block away from home, he falls down and he is screaming bloody murder. And so my, you know, I, I just remember my trying to scoop him up and my broken body was trying to carry him to our house. And I literally could not do it. You guys, you aren't even supposed to pick up something five pounds, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I can't, it's not physically possible. Um, and I don't know. I had made it maybe 20 yards and I'd barely made it to the street that we live on. And, um, all of a sudden I see Kaylee, Cheyenne, her fiance and Joey, they're pulling up to our neighborhood. And because of the construction there's going on in our, um, cul-de-sac, they have to park outside the cul-de-sac where we live. And, um, I don't know. They just, that just placed them right in my view as I had come around the corner and I just, put Everett down when I looked up and saw them. And, um, I said, you know, as I looked up, I saw Joey was running towards the Mm cul-de-sac and I went, Oh my gosh, you guys, there's Joey. He's here to play. And immediately Everett stopped crying, you know, yeah, all of a sudden he's totally (laughs) fine. And he gets up and he runs towards Joey as if nothing had happened. It was just, Oh, it was a simple, subtle help from heaven. And I didn't even realize it was that until later my daughter Kedra pointed out, you know, I was home 
at this time. And I was just devastated that I wasn't able to be the grandma I wanted to be. Um, I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even help my hurting grandchild. And as I was wallowing in self-pity, <laughs> near tears, and after I was home, Kedra reminded me that God knew I needed help. And that must have been why Joey showed up just at the right time and in the right place. And mm-hmm. oh, I just went, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that, Kedra. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I just thought I hadn't even had time to pray for help and help arrived. Right. You know? Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's awesome. Sure. Connie, sometimes the Lord does answer our prayers even before we utter the words. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, yes. You know, we were all four-wheeling. Well, um, me and Scott and Sherry and Craig were four-wheeling last weekend, and we'd gone many miles up this mountain when we stopped for lunch, um, and we'd been, it'd been hours. And when we were ready to go again, my machine wouldn't start. <laughs> so Craig had a charger. But unfortunately, it wasn't charged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so we decided instead of going up the hill anymore, we were just going to have to go back down. And so we decided Scott would just ride my machine down with without it turning on and just have to muscle it. Coast and down coast when he down could. the hill. And a couple times he got to where he couldn't coast anymore. He'd get off and he'd have to push it. We were in snow and mud. And um, I remember before I left down the hill, I, I prayed, you know, just asking the Lord that we would do whatever, however it looked, we'd just do whatever we needed to do. And that, you know, I promised that I would have a good attitude and make the best of whatever happened. That was my prayer. And I know Scott and Sherry and Craig prayed right before they went down. Mm -hmm. Yep. Before we took off. Yep. So he, um, we got going and, uh, uh, just as we were we had stopped at another one of those plateaus where it wasn't going to go down anymore. Two razors came by and Craig yelled, Hey, do you have any jumper cables? And the guy heard him and stopped, backed up, literally unpacked his whole rig, yeah, took a seat out mm-hmm. to, to find to his him. jumper cables. So nice. And I just sat there thinking of how the Lord could have started that engine really mm-hmm. easy. You know, yep. he, he could have answered that prayer, started the engine. Um, but it's usually just watching those people and talking to them and just their kindness. I kept thinking about how God uses other people to answer our prayers. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so grateful for them at that moment. And we got the engine started and then it wouldn't go into gear. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't drive. So then we're praying again <laughs> and pretty soon, um, it Off started it going. Off it went. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so the Lord answered that, that prayer went. really quickly, yeah. but and it just is so amazing to me how he could have just answered it, but it's, we got to watch for those people that yeah. are the answers to our prayers in our lives. I loved it. And watch for the opportunity to be the answer to others' exactly. prayers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We do love it when our, our prayers are, you know, quickly and clearly, clearly answered like that. And like Connie mentioned, sometimes without even uttering a word, but some answers do take a little time and a little effort and, And of course, there's those that we're still waiting on, like the list that Jerry just mentioned. And oh, but speaking of a little time and effort, I remember when my son Cody was just 11 years old, and he was preparing to receive the priesthood, and he had warts all over his hands, and he knew that you know, soon he'd be passing the sacrament, and he was pretty self-conscious, knowing that everybody would see his hands, and 
I remember even at school, he would often hold his hands in a certain way and tuck his fingers underneath so that his warts couldn't, you know, be seen. So Mm -hmm. they didn't, didn't show. And anyway, he was a little bit worried about that. And so he decided that he was going to fast every Sunday. And he did that for nearly a year. I remember I would offer him some breakfast and he'd say, no, I'm fasting, but never shared why. He mm-hmm. did this for months before he told me why he was fasting. And and gratefully, just a couple of weeks before he was ordained a deacon, those words just disappeared. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, we tried other things, of course, mm-hmm. tried several other things, but nothing, nothing worked. Um, I think it was just an opportunity. The Lord had heard and answered his prayer, you know, not immediately, Mm -hmm. but in his time and in a way that helped Cody develop a testimony of fasting and prayer and of God's love for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he could have done it immediately, but I think that just that process. Or the chemicals or the the, the things that you tried could have worked, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a neat experience for him. We all learn eventually that we need to trust in the Lord's timeline for us. I like what Elder Holland said about this, quote, We know that God can provide miracles instantaneously, but sooner or later we learn that the times and seasons of our mortal journey are His and His alone to direct. He administers that calendar to every one of us individually. For every infirm man healed instantly as he waits to enter the pool of Bethesda, Someone else will spend 40 years in the desert waiting to enter the promised land. For every Nephi and Lehi divinely protected by an encircling flame of fire for their faith, we have an Abinadi burned at a stake of flaming fire for his. And we remember that the same Elijah, who in an instant called down fire from heaven to bear witness against the priests of Baal, is the same Elijah who endured a period where there was no rain for years, and who, for a time, was fed only by the skimpy sustenance that could be carried in a raven's claw, unquote. Yeah. Haven't we seen that in our own lives? I mean, mm-hmm. I think of sweet Cody. Yeah, you know, he had that, that miracle of having those warts disappear through fasting and prayer, but he and his sweet wife have been now waiting for a couple of years for a baby. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, you see both in our lives, those times when our prayers are answered immediately and times when we've had to learn to wait on the Lord, trust in his timing, and try to figure out what to do with our lives in the meantime. That's right. And I, as I, you know, sit here and listen to all these examples, it's clear that while we are waiting on the Lord, if we're looking for it, we'll witness many miracles along the way which helps us to wait and trust in the Lord's timing with faith. I heard this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. He said, faith is that God is going to save. Hope is that God is going to save me. Mm -hmm. I really, that really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes all we have to hang on to is hope and know that God is aware of us personally and individually, and we just need to trust him. We do. (laughs) trusting him you know this easter weekend um we were watching a general conference which is four hours a day two hour blocks and um i was laid up on the couch because that same (laughs) trip that we went four willing i blew out my knee so (laughs) so i was just laying on the couch and um i 
so I watched conference and then in between conference, they play all sorts of different kinds of videos and they had a lot of the life of Christ videos on there. And as I was laying there, I was just really struck with this portrayal of Christ in the garden of Gethsemane. And when he asked his heavenly father to take this cup from me and it just hit me how, um, Often I asked the same thing and he didn't want to go through that any more than I want to go through the trials I have. And it, I don't know, it just hit me so badly that he didn't want to do that. And yet his next words were, but not my will, but thine be done. And um, he was willing because he knew he had a mission to fulfill and that's a hard thing to understand <laughs> sometimes because each one of us has a mission to fulfill and it's impossible to understand trials and why we go through them. If we're only looking at it from this mortal perspective, from our bodies, you know, why do I have to hurt? What, you know, why does it have to happen to me? Why is God doing this to me? <laughs> but if we focus on only this, we miss the meaning behind our suffering because there is meaning. The adversary wants us to feel despair and darkness and unending doom, right? Mm -hmm. Elder Uchtdorf um, has a talk called The Infinite Power of Hope, and he says, quote, despair kills ambition, advances sickness, pollutes the soul, and deadens the heart. Despair can seem like a staircase that leads only and forever downward, end quote. Mm -hmm. Wow. That a great analogy yep. or what? <laughs> At times, this is what the waiting room might feel like, right? A dark, lonely place with no escape. When I think of a waiting room, I think of the time my husband and I were in the waiting room of the hospital waiting for our little daughter, our little four-year-old Jenica to get out of surgery. And it was a five hours that uh, surgery that they worked on her after she had gotten run over by the lawnmower. And my husband, of course, was in complete despair. Um, and that's exactly where the adversary wants to keep us. Right. <laughs> and it, but hope, however, is what helps get us beyond our troubles and gives us that glimpse into eternity. Elder Uchtdorf goes on to say about hope. He says, quote, hope on the other hand is like the beam of sunlight rising up and above the horizon of our present circumstances. It pierces the darkness with a brilliant dawn it encourages and inspires us to place our trust in the loving care of an eternal heavenly father who has prepared a way for those who seek for eternal truth in a world of relativism, confusion, and of fear, end quote. We all lived before we came here and we will live again. What we go through in this life is all for our good and for our eternal progression so, ladies, what does it really mean to wait on the Lord? That's a good question. When I think of that question, I think, what are we really waiting for? I know when I'm going through something really hard and waiting for that burden to lift, I think I get a little spoiled in my thoughts and thinking I shouldn't have to go through this. I want it to end. This is too painful, and I don't want to feel it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I know in past podcasts, we've mentioned um, this quote from Elder Maxwell. I'm just going to 
paraphrase it, but he basically is saying um, about wanting to be like the Savior, but yet we don't let life, we don't want life to be uncomfortable or hard in any way, but yet I want to be just like him Mm -hmm. without paying the price to be like him. We forget really what our purpose is here. We think we should just glide through life and get the same (laughs) outcome. We also need to remember that when things are not working out the way we think they should, to remember that God is in the process and not just the outcome. I, um, I think about different missionaries in this pandemic. You know, they were called to foreign countries, and then instead they were sent to a mission inside the States. And a lot of them thought, oh, no, the prophet yeah. really didn't know where I was supposed no. to go. <laughs> but what did they learn in that process? You know, they had so many experiences so God right. is all about the process. Not the product, not just who you're going to baptize in that foreign country. Right. Process. I love that. And and in the, the Doctrine and Covenants that we're studying right now, in the lesson that we're studying right now, the Lord, there's revelation calling these men to go preach to the Lamanites. Mm-hmm. But then they never made it no, they to the Lamanites. Did. They, right? they, they were really, it was the, in the meantime, they got to Ohio and baptized this yeah, the, whole congregation yeah. and built up the church and how beautiful. I just kept thinking yeah. about that. Like, even though the words are there, you're called to go do this. Right. We get so confused about. Right. Well, in the meantime, in the mean, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. the Lord didn't know what he was talking right. about when he called them there. Exactly. Right. He yeah. was going to allow that. those, that agency allowed circumstances mm-hmm. to happen. And you know, on these men that, Jerry, you're talking about, they had just read the Book of Mormon and read about Alma and his experiences in baptizing all these Lamanites. was the greatest missionary. (laughs) So I thought, that's going to happen. That's That's what I'm going to go do. And Mm -hmm. he didn't realize that it was a whole different Different experience. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think it is. It's in the remembering of why we're here. That's kind of crucial, don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the that's key. The they call. remembered, yeah. And sometimes we do. We have a tendency to forget our purpose for mortality. Um, and what is that? We're here to be tested, um, to see how we face life's challenges, whether they're big or small. And I kind of, I love that story about the fourth watch. The disciples were following Christ. And they this were... is in Matthew, if anybody wants to ever go read it. It's oh, Matthew yeah. 14. Okay. Christ then says, hey, you guys, you get in the boat and row um, um, across the shore to our next spot. He said, I'll meet you on the far shore by walking there. So I I personally think that Christ said that because he knew they needed to load all their stuff in the supplies and get in the boat. So he knew that was going to happen. He knew they needed to, he, they couldn't walk with him, you know, mm-hmm. along that. So, but I, I'm making that interpretation that he did that because he wanted to meditate and he wanted time to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's, I don't know if that's in, <laughs> that was my interpretation of okay. why didn't he get in the boat? You know, he wasn't lazy. He was just ready to, he needed his own personal revelation time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. and I don't know you guys, um, if you know this, this is kind of a cool thing, but um, fishermen, they gauge their progress by hours in a boat and they call them a watch. So how they got in the boat and they just kind of set up, okay, you guys row for the first three hours. So, you know, they're, they're working that first watch and they do this in three hour increments and then they switch rowers. And so let's say that first group started at 6 PM and they called that the first watch. The second watch would start at about 9 PM and they rowed 
consistently until midnight. And then the third watch begins at midnight. And still at that time in the scriptures, it says they'd made little progress. And, and that was even as they headed into the third watch. Right. So now they're in nine hours of constant rowing. And so here they are at the fourth watch at 3 a.m. And they're toiling and rowing fervently in this current, which is against them. And it has been the entire way. Um, and it's at this point, I mean, they're exhausted. Can you imagine? I can't even fathom that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're at the point of nine hours of rowing. We don't they're even probably like nine hours in a car. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Point, point made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, you know, we're on the 10th hour. We're on the 11th hour and we're in that fourth watch. We're in the middle of it. Okay. Can you just hear them saying, where is Christ? Has he forgotten about us? Did he know when he put us on this boat and said, go this way, that it would be this hard? We really need him. We need his strength right now. Certainly, <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have done this. It wouldn't be this hard if he was with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, where they were in that fourth watch, they had still, they had no sight of shore, and they just didn't know that Christ was watching from the hillside. He'd made it around to where they were going to go, and he knew as he watched them the whole time that they were toiling. And he knew they wouldn't be able to see that they were almost there. But from his vantage point, he, he'd had the perfect view to guide them on. I don't know. Girls, what do you think when you hear, he is a fourth watch God? Mm-hmm. That is such an amazing analogy of our lives, right? We are rowing and rowing. And so many of us feel that we have been rowing for way too long. And that the Lord's forgotten about us. But really, he's on the shore watching our muscles grow as we row. Watching us learn how to keep going and rely on what's deep inside us. The point is that we keep rowing. Don't give up. Going on a mission was one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. I loved it. I loved Peru. But I got really sick on my mission. I was 21 when I left for Peru, and admittedly, it was my fault for not being cautious enough about food, because I really did, I had a blessing, or my setting apart that said that I would have good health if I would obey the rules. Well, the rules were that we weren't supposed to buy things from street vendors, but the Lord knew my weaknesses, and I'm sorry, but I hated, (laughs) I love Peru, but I hated most of the food we had to eat, which was cow stomach and intestines and fish head soup and brains and... I was literally starving most of the time. I am gagging over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you think I felt? <laughs> so we we bought um, popsicles from street vendors, and you know everybody knows you don't drink the water. And oh. these salchipapas were, which were so delicious, and we'd buy those from street vendors occasionally. But really, I ate mostly just the bread, which is where I think I acquired my gluten allergy. <laughs> But I came home with lots of little friends and a lot of (laughs) health issues. And I had health issue problems for years after that. Um, By the time I'd had my fifth baby, I think my body was just done. And I broke out in hives that never went away for 16 years. (laughs) I had to get my gallbladder out. I was depressed. I had five kids, seven and under. I remember looking at my floor one day thinking, I'll never see my floor again (laughs) because I, the medicine I had to take for that, the hives knocked me out. So I'd be on my couch, just laying there, not being able to move. 
Um, and not to mention this was a really stressful time of our lives as we went into business with somebody that ended up being a crook (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, my husband lost his job over it. And I remember that being such a dark time in my life, um, and the wind and the waves were literally overpowering my boat, but, um, I kept rowing. I went to church, I took the sacrament, I prayed, I pleaded, I rode, and I rode. And there were times I asked the Lord, what more do you want from me? <laughs> I kept praying that um, that he would, like, what, save me from this in this darkness? But um, I kept praying even when I felt my, my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. And I kept reading my scriptures even when I felt no voice coming from them. And in the meantime... I just got up every day and I tried to be a good mom. And I mean, I guess my kids got to school (laughs) and there were pictures of birthday parties and (laughs) and laughter and smiles. So um, my muscles got stronger. I know they did during that time. And I don't really remember a specific end date to all those struggles. Um, And I didn't see the Lord walking on water like Peter did. and all the other disciples, but I felt his hands lift me out of my own sorrows and devastation. And um, one time I can remember specifically is I I just knelt down to pray and said, Heavenly Father, can you just, I just need to know that you love me. And I felt literally like a warm blanket over my shoulders. And I knew he was just there telling me it's okay. I love you and I'm here. Um, He came when I couldn't row any longer by myself. And I love to think of what those disciples were going through all those hours, wondering where the Savior was and knowing he could deliver them. And then at the very last hour, they look and behold the Spirit walking on the water and they didn't know, but then they realized... It was their savior. And can't you just see Peter when he realizes that his savior has come to the rescue and thinking about this and how tired they were after all that toiling, he was not ready to sink. He was ready to walk on water. I just love that. And I know that my testimony is stronger because of the hardest times in my life that I've had to row by faith, but not by sight. So my daughter just told me about this video she watched. It was this young boy. The Lord had asked him, I want you to push this big boulder every day. And so he did. He pushed it every day. And finally, the Lord came to him. And the boy was so distraught and sad. And he goes, what's the matter? And he said, I didn't ever move it. Mm -hmm. He said, I never asked you to move it. I just asked you to push it every day. And in the meantime... He had gotten so strong from pushing that every day. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that good? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's Okay, if you could see me right now, I have tears in my eyes because that that hit me. That hit me strong. You're pushing a boulder and you're not moving it. (laughs) He's not asking me to, I guess. Right. Oh, oh my god! Just asking you to get stronger. That's yeah, good. sometimes oh. he does oh, ask wow. us to just push, and one. sometimes to row and to row through our storms and trials because he knows that that's the best way for us to grow yeah. and to get stronger. But then at other times, I think 
you know, he's just waiting for us to calm our inner selves while those storms, you know, are raging all around us. He just needs us to slow down and be still long enough to hear his voice calling out to us, encouraging us, you know, through that storm. Because I believe in reality that the Lord is never really at some far off distant shore just watching and uninvolved in our lives. Right. You know, I, I believe he's always right there in the boat with us. It's just that sometimes we can we can see him and feel his presence, and at other times we don't. Like, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. It's kind of like when we are teaching one of our little children to, rock, to walk. We're always right there watching and helping and encouraging, but ultimately they have to do the work, right, in order to progress. And they're the one that falls. Yeah, and to learn mm-hmm. how to walk. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we take their hands in ours, and they can feel our hands right there holding theirs, but at other times we have to let go. Yeah. And they can't feel, feel our hands there anymore. <laughs> and like you mm-hmm. say, sometimes they're going to stumble mm-hmm. and fall, but then we're right there, you know, helping them pick them up and get them going again like right. the Lord does for us. I think about the time when I watched a worldwide devotional for the young adults, and it reminds me of when you said they're holding your hand. Mm -hmm. I think the prophet is just there holding our hands, and he's trying to tell us, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to take the next step. I'm here. And, And after that powerful devotional, he had just shared all this message about hear him, but he had the last song for that devotional prepared and planned and he'd asked a performer named Cecil to to perform this amazing song called Slow Down. Mm. It was so powerful and the chorus had these words be still and wait on the spirit of the Lord and know that I am God. We'll put that link to that song in our show notes because you guys I listen to it all the time. Mm. I love that. I listen to it. It puts my, you know, perspective. I know I need to just listen. And as I was putting my thoughts for this episode together, that kept coming back to my mind, kept saying, why, why did he ask that song to be the last thing those young adults heard after he had just spoken about what is personal revelation? Mm -hmm. It's hearing him, trusting him. As a younger mom, I remember a song that really hit me at, at a time that I had little kids. Um, it was by Jenny Jordan Frogley, and it was called In the Meantime. And it talked about the hopes and dreams that this mom had and what she always dreamed of becoming. But in the meantime, <laughs> she's a mother and a daughter and a wife, a friend, a sister, a caregiver, a teacher, and on and on. And um, I, I thought so much about what that was saying. Life, um, what's that saying that they say, that, like, life's what happens when we are busy making other plans? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. I, I remember true. that song. That always meant a lot to me, too. And I, I currently have a sign hanging in my kid's bathroom of a road that's headed off into the distance that simply says, enjoy the journey. You know, because it seems like so often as teenagers and young adults, and and maybe even as adults, I don't know, we often think that the real joy will come at a certain, when we reach a certain destination, you know, like 
when I'm 16, I'll finally be able to date. Or when I'm 18, I can finally move out. There's pure happiness. (laughs) Actually, it's like, that's what you do when you be still, is you don't wait for the next moment. You're living in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And you can find some joy in the journey through that destination. Yeah, all along the way. And waiting on the Lord is going to look different for everybody. Uh, Sometimes... Uh, maybe somebody is waiting for their cancer to go away. And in the meantime, their mothering might look a little different. I remember hearing of a mother going through cancer treatments, and each night her little children would sit on her bed and she would read them stories. And I'm sure it wasn't how she planned it, right? She, mm-hmm. um, But she didn't give up on her mothering because it looked different. Mm-hmm. She just She didn't let the despair keep her from the joy of being a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was struggling to become a mother and have children. Um, at times, that monthly roller coaster ride was really discouraging. And I remember one day um, when I was studying scripture, the Spirit spoke very clear to me that I was to fill my life with service to others while waiting to become a mother. You know, I don't. I don't think the Lord wanted me just sitting around in the waiting room either. <laughs> for that to happen. In the meantime, he wanted me out doing good and filling my life with meaningful activities. At that time, you know, I was going to school full time and serving in a calling at church, but I still felt that the Lord was encouraging me to find more ways to serve. So um, one day there was an assisted living, I don't know if you guys remember, I can't remember the name of it, but a facility in our area, our ward. And so I decided to stop in there and um, volunteer. And so I would go there each week, and I remember calling bingo for them and (laughs) getting to know these ladies on a first-name basis and their funny little personalities, some so giving and some so other, you know, would be like, speak up, I can't hear you. That would have been Competitive. (laughs) Yes, some were so So competitive. competitive. But it was awesome. And, you know, I really feel like it was during those times, those couple of years that I really developed a testimony of how serving others can could help put my own problems in perspective and could bring more joy and hope into my life, you know, no matter what it was that I was facing. Sherry, Elder Holland um, said something similar to that when he said, quote, I have learned over the years that our hope in Christ increases when we serve others. Serving as Jesus served, we naturally increase our hope in Him. The personal growth we can achieve now while waiting upon the Lord and His promises are an invaluable sacred element of His plan for each of us, mm-hmm. unquote. Yeah. Okay, I have, I have an issue with my service, and I've talked to you guys about that before, because I kind of like have this attitude that, well, Elder Holland, he actually shares this. Um, Marlene actually pointed to Elder Maxwell's past analogy. And he says, you know, uh, he says, quote, one's life cannot be both faith-filled and stress-free, unquote. You know, and I kind of want that stress-free. Mm-hmm. In my mind, stressing about how to serve is, I just need to go do the service instead of thinking, well, what do they need? Mm-hmm. And stress about how I'm going to serve them. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, I, I simply, I just need to go to work and it's going to take that work. We can't, as he says, uh, glide naively through life. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And he does. He gives that warning for those of us who are tired of rowing. So we just decide to sit back and watch others row, hoping that just by being in the boat, we can reach the shore and exclaim, oh, phew, that enduring to the end sure was hard, but here, give me the reward. I love that. That is a great quote. I was amazed at how many times this general conference, I heard the quote, let the Lord prevail. Didn't, weren't you amazed yeah. at how yeah. many talks said that mm-hmm. over and over again? You know, there's really no way to explain why hard things happen to us. <laughs> we can only look at the Savior and his life as an example and know that he came here to suffer and die for us because eventually we were going to suffer and we were going to die. <laughs> and now he's able to comfort us if we will let him. And only our Heavenly Father and our Savior know what that will do for our eternal progression, what kind of muscles we're going to be building, right, in the meantime. If we let God prevail and let that be our motto, we can cling to the hope of a brighter future. My daughter, Mackenzie, who I was telling you, and her husband, Cameron, um, who aren't able to have a baby right now, they came home last weekend for Easter. She's been through three rounds of pretty heavy drugs and shots. I mean... And other stuff too, but this this last three rounds were really really hard, and um, she hasn't been able to have that baby, and it's been exhausting for her and heartbreaking for Cameron too. And I've just held her as she sobbed and sobbed <laughs> so many times, and um, she came home this time, and she was telling me that she and Cameron had both decided to just wait on the Lord for right now basically. And I asked her if I could share her thoughts with you. And so this is what she said. Quote, sometimes we just need a break in between all the chaos to refocus ourselves. In the midst of this trial and our pain and suffering, we can forget at times to be grateful, forget about other things we are blessed with in our life. So after our third round of insemination, we believe the Lord has reminded us that it's time to take one of those breaks, not worry about it for now, and trust in his timing. Focus on our beautiful home we are building. Focus on strengthening our, our relationship with one another and doing the things that we love. End quote. What She's the sweetest wow. thing. <laughs> and I love those two. <laughs> they have learned and grown so much from this. And I've watched them. And Kenzie continues to just be a light as she's, she lives her life in the meantime. You know? Yep. So... So ladies, tell me what does God, what does letting God prevail mean to you and how does it help us as we wait on the Lord? You know, as I've given that some thought, what should that look like ever since President Nelson gave that talk? Um, And to me, letting God prevail means surrendering my will to his you know, I, I can be confident in the knowledge that he has everything under control. I know that he has a perfect plan for my life, just like he does everyone. And that struggle, whatever that looks like, you know, I believe it's all part of the plan. When I let Heavenly Father prevail, I stop fighting against him and his plan. I I quit insisting, you know, that I know what would be best and <laughs> what should happen and when it should happen. And and I look for ways that the struggle, the trial, can bring me closer to Christ. It's, 
to me, it's, it's about allowing God to lead us to success, to joy, to peace, all in his time and in his way. Yeah, I'm, I'm always telling my kids and reminding them that the Lord can make so much more out of your life than you will ever be able to mm-hmm. by yourself. Right. right. You know, I hopefully think- they'll. Yeah, shoot, I'd be missing at least seven children if, if life yeah. went according to my plan. Exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? for sure. I'm sure glad I followed his instead. Because your plan was three kids, right? Yeah, yeah. your plan was, I am having three, Jerry. You can have the rest. Yep. <laughs> you remember that conversation. I do remember that conversation well. <laughs> I think the reason that Marlene's example of that pushing the rock has such a profound feeling to me is because I'm right wondering, kind of like, why? You know, I don't know. I just feel like I uh, the peace hasn't really come because I kind of think he's just trying to teach me something. And I keep thinking, what? Yeah. Yeah. Can, Can you just tell me that you're, yeah. you know, <laughs> tell me you're not wanting me to move the rock. Just what? Mm-hmm. What do you want? <laughs> oh, I know. You know, Connie, something that keeps coming to my mind is that you're in this Saturday. And what I mean by that, we just came through Easter. And we had those people that loved the Savior, his disciples, and Mary, his mother, and and others, right, who watched him crucified. They were looking to him. They knew it had been witnessed to them that he was their Savior, right? Yeah. So how could this happen? How how could he die and be put on this cross and buried? Can you imagine what they must have felt like on Saturday? Because they really no. didn't have that understanding yet, that, that solution, gonna, yeah. that on Sunday he would rise again. Yeah. Oh, the despair and grief they must have felt. Not, not necessarily peace, for sure. I mean, nobody in the middle of a trial finds peace right, right away. And I think you're just sitting in that Saturday right now, waiting, wondering, what's the resolution going to be? Do you think? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I sometimes think, what, in, you know, in the meantime, mm-hmm. I think sometimes my Saturday is like, okay, but what do I do the next few moments, mm-hmm. you know, in the meantime? And I, I haven't really short, shared my entire story. I've kind of alluded to it. Sherry said, you know, Connie, I think it's, you probably need to tell a little bit more. And so for what it's worth, I know this is just recognizing that trials can bring us closer to God. But I've been enduring years of chronic pain, and it's just from a really messed up back, which in the last two years has become so debilitating that I can't even lift anything in front of me above five pounds, nor can I even stand or walk without pain. My faith has really been tested. I've just kind of endured it because I've tried everything, you guys. I, I mean, Okay, maybe not everything, but I've tried everything short of major surgery. And I think I'm just telling myself that this must be the Lord's plan. And I I guess I am fighting against it because I don't really want that to be the plan for Mm now. You know, with three weddings this summer, my my healing may be in the waiting because I can't really do the surgery. I don't even know if that's the answer. But in the meantime, I I kind of cherished these words. And And my daughter gave me a talk to listen to once. And these words are from Elder Hales. And he had been terribly ill. And this was his first conference talk since that illness. And he says, quote, Constant, intense pain is a great consecrating purifier that humbles us and draws us closer to God's Spirit. If we listen and obey, we will be guided by His Spirit and do His will 
in our daily endeavors, unquote. But it was his additional perspective that was really remarkably poignant to me. He says, on a few occasions, I told the Lord that I had surely learned the lessons to be taught and that it wouldn't be necessary for me to endure anymore. Such entreaties seemed to be of no avail, for it was made clear to me that this purifying process of testing was to be endured in the Lord's time and in the Lord's own way. And he continues, It is one thing to teach thy will be done. It is another to live it. He said, I also learned that I would not be left alone to meet these trials and tribulations, but the guardian angels would attend me. Isn't that a great lesson mm-hmm. and a blessing? Yep. Well, the other part of this story is that where I was when I heard this talk, Heather had just sent it to me and I was out on a walk. And I was trying desperately to get my steps in, no matter how much pain I was in. And so I was listening to those exact words from Elder Hales about not being left alone. And my dear departed favorite aunt, Jan, came to my mind. And I felt a gentle, warm swelling in my heart. Tears streamed. For the last years of her life, she too had suffered extreme back pain. And she, she died actually too days after a long anticipated back surgery from, you know, she died from just really rare complications stemming from her surgery. And I just kind of felt like she was right there telling me, I know your pain. I understand. But remember, Jesus chose not to be released from this world until he had endured to the end and completed his mission. And I really do want to say I do believe in a fourth watch God. And after this past conference and many talks on miracles, I'm going to try to build my faith enough to ask for that miracle. You know, guys, maybe we can do an entire episode and you can teach me about miracles. I would love your (laughs) thoughts and your counsel. Oh, Connie, I just think those are some incredible experiences that you had. Uh, I just, I, I love that analogy of the fourth watch God. And, you know, when we are going through those hard times, we don't always feel him right there or noise right there. Mm-hmm. But, but then you have experiences like that with your aunt you know. where he sent her to comfort you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, um, and just trusting exactly. that he will give us those experiences until, yeah. until you're healed. Uh, yeah, I agree. It, it's sometimes that we feel like we're in that fourth watch for a really long time, right? Not just three hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes decades, decades. Yeah. I don't want decades, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> but some people it's a lifetime. Right. Yeah. I, I look yeah. at my little Libby and, yeah. and watch yeah. her, you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> just all that she goes through and keeps going. Um, and so many people, I mean, I know, and many of you listening are probably right there, right there. This is, this is our life and our life for so many people. And, um, in the meantime, we just keep going and we get some real heartaches, gut wrenching, soul defining times and moments in our lives. And we know that this This is what our life is about. And the Lord 
we need to remember is really in all of the details of our life. He knows us. He understands and he weeps with us. He carries us when we cannot go any further on our own. And Connie, I know I've heard you bear testimony of times when the Lord has carried you when you couldn't do it anymore. And, and all of us have had, had those times. And so while we're waiting for him, he's right there waiting for us to grow, to get those muscles, to learn, to progress, and to become. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I know on. when he, Elder Hal said about the consecrating moments, I think it's, it is, that's what we're in. We're conse- being consecrated. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, exactly. I think it's important that maybe we, we end this episode where we began in Liberty Jail. I, I know I gained so much from it when I was reading more specific about it. I mean, I know about it. I've heard Liberty mm-hmm. Jail. I've heard that quote so many times, but you guys, as I went back and I was really getting into it, it was helpful for me to understand why. What, where was Joseph Smith that he had to feel such much despair that he related those words that I related to so much? Mm-hmm. What were his trials? And, and I just thought, okay, we know there was like this Missouri-Mormon war going on and there was so much unrest. Well, Joseph Smith... Hiram Smith, Signe Rigdon, Lyman Wright, White, um, Alexander McGraw, and Caleb Baldwin. They were some of those that were taken to Liberty Jail. Do you guys know that there were 64 others? But because the um, the the jail wasn't large enough for the, uh, many other prisoners, only oh. those were the ones that oh, that were taken. That. Yeah, and they were, you know, they were unjustly. Um, accused, accused and yeah, held. and held. Yeah. So it was like four months long. And you think about this prison, I didn't know this, but it was like a four thick, four foot thick stone walls with this, just a six foot ceiling. How tall was, and it was a basement. Like yeah, it was yeah, underground. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. But how tall was Joseph Smith? Wasn't he like six, six. four? Right. So, so can you imagine four up. months? I mean, I, ugh. I know. Not being able and to they, and there was constant harassment by guards caused uh, Joseph and his companions to describe the structure as hell surrounded with demons. And it, you know, like Jerry was saying, it's a lower level dungeon. Mm-hmm. So the temperatures just dropped and the light dimmed and there'd be odors that just mm-hmm. reeked and time seemed so slow, mainly because probably it was so dark they couldn't really oh, yeah. see all the, you know, okay, right. it's almost morning. Oh, no, it's not. I don't know. And they only had dirty straw couches, and those were the only things that prevented the prisoners from sleeping on the stone floor, which I'm sure was freezing. Yep. But then after time, that straw just kind of kept getting pressed down and was just a flat nothing after mm-hmm. a while. And oh, they said that their meals were very coarse and so filthy that they could not eat them until they were driven to it by hunger. Awful. When the prisoners finally ate their servings, the food caused them to vomit almost mm-hmm. to death. Some of the detainees suspected the guards of poisoning their food or water, even feeding them human flesh. Yeah, that was... And the place took on some aspects of a zoo, actually. The locals would visit the the jail in droves and gape at the uh, the prisoners and and, and with their taunts and jeers echoing through the stone walls. Uh, Hiram Smith was, he complained that we're often inspected by fools who act as though we were elephants or dairies or sea hogs or some monstrous whale or sea serpent, you know, I don't know. There's so much more sunlight barely crept through two small iron barred windows that were too high to see through. 
and long hours in the darkness caused the men's eyes to strain. You know, any fire they did, the smoke would just make their their eyes just burn. But not only that, they learned through letters or through words from those who could come visit that were on their side, mm-hmm. but that they they saw all the other saints and all of their own families were destitute. There was um, Brother Baldwin. He had a young son, and I think right about the time where he had heard the news that his son had been beaten nearly to death by the Missourians with hickory sticks, he, at that point, Joseph, was his heart was wrenching. He knew all they'd suffered, but it was almost over the top when he heard about this. And that's when he asks those pleading questions. Oh God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed? Oh, how long, O oh Lord, how long? I visited that jail, and I remember looking down into that hole and thinking about those five men in that small space where they had no facilities or clean rent running water. I just can't even imagine enduring such torture and hardship like they did in some of those early saints. I know. Didn't it just put perspective to you? I think I wanted to kind of start, you know, end that because that hit me so much that now, now I, I had perspective. Now I recognize my suffering. Can you imagine their suffering? Maybe going through history and hearing others was just powerful for me. And now I, I know the Lord was making more of Joseph and these men and Man, yeah, we hope that we will never be asked to endure something as awful as that. But but we are all required to endure hard things, like Connie has shared. Um, there's always going to be those things in our lives that are going to drive us to our knees, asking, how long, oh Lord, how long? But we can also gain the encouragement from the revelation, that continued revelation, Connie, that you just referred to that Joseph received while he was languishing in that awful jail, and that's found in section 121. And with this, my son, and I would add my daughter, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thy afflictions shall be but a small moment, and then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. End quote. The Lord also assured Joseph, Joseph that if the very jaws of hell shall gape open, her mouth wide after thee, know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. And so, until next time, may we all stay safely under his wings. <laughs> <laughs>